0: Awesome Thank you, Greg. And uh, thank you everyone that's here. It's great to see you all. Um, yeah, just one other quick thing that Greg asked me before, was there any extra announcements and then I remembered one. I was just standing over there, but I had no way to get across to him. So I just want. To... are we good? Awesome so if you got an email um, inviting you to a leaders meeting on this wednesday night you it was sent to you on purpose Uh, we've asked all teachers you know anyone that's discipling people in the church to be part of these monthly leadership we're really going to focus on just talking about and, and building up and encouraging people in leadership and discipleship so if, uh, if you are involved in leading a life group, if you're a teacher for kids ministry, if you're someone involved in youth or young adults or uh, a discipleship role in any way, we, we want you there. So if you're like, oh, I think I got this email by accident, you didn't get it by accident, we want you there. So, uh, you know, just to encourage you to come and be part of that. We're excited for this year you know, of what God's going to do in in and amongst us, what he's doing in our city, what he's doing here in Lifehouse Church. And we want to take every opportunity to be equipping people uh, that we have without, you know, learning some of the lessons of COVID where we don't want to be busy. We want people to have lots of time for family and relationships and and connecting with people. But so we want to have some very strategic times where we're able to input into people's lives and those monthly gatherings on the first wednesday of every month will be one of those times so with that you now i want to piggyback off the message that i uh, gave a couple of weeks ago you know if you remember we kind of finished off with ananias and sapphira getting killed it was a very uplifting moment for all of us <laughs> you know but there's this 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 incredible thing that luke Is trying to get across to us in the first few chapters of the book of Acts inspired by the Holy Spirit and and it's this thing that Greg was talking about It's this this passion that the people had for Jesus and that regardless of what was going on around them that they wanted people to know about Jesus and so if you remember just a quick recap we started off with you know you've got Peter and John and they're out there and people are getting healed by them and uh, they're, 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 this, this beggar is, getting, is healed, and people see it and are amazed, and they preach the gospel to the people, the religious leaders freak out about it, arrest them, bring them in, but decide just to tell them not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore, let them go, and then they go back and they tell the, their group that the, they they're gathering with at that moment, going, hey, we've been told we can't preach in the name of Jesus, but you know, we can't not preach in the name of Jesus. All these people that are there, they're gathered, they all raise up in prayer, and they're like, God, you know, make us bold. Extend your, so that we will preach in your name, despite these threats. Ask, they ask God to extend his hand and perform signs, wonders, and miracles to back up the gospel. And the power of the Holy Spirit comes and falls on that room and shakes the room. You know and it's a just a little while after that we had the Ananias and Sapphira where here's God in his absolute love for that community that when there was this couple that was willing to lie to the community about their generosity again they were not being forced to give any money they weren't being forced as none of us are they weren't being forced to do anything you know but they chose to go and sell a piece of property and bring the money and it would be like going hey I sold this property from, you know, in, in Mississauga. I sold this property for a million dollars, you know, in in real life. But I come to the church saying, hey, I sold this property for 500,000. And when asked, oh, is that the full amount for, uh, that you got? They're, yep, that's the full amount. But in fact, actually, they've got a million. They pocketed 500. They they It was fine. They didn't have to bring the full amount. All they needed to do is go, well, no, actually, we've, you know, we brought this much. That's it. And it seems so weird, you know, for us to go, why would they die? Why would God literally strike them dead in that moment for what they were doing, right? It seems like a minor thing. All they did is lie. All they did is misrepresent the truth about something. Yet we see God in that moment just going, hey, I I can't allow this lie this type of untruth, this type of thing to taint. This can't become the yeast that infects the whole dough of this brand new early church. So they literally die. And there's a fear of God that comes into people because they recognize the power of God in that moment. And here's the amazing thing with God. There's very few instances in the New Testament of God striking people dead. Yeah? I'm pretty, I'm, I'm very happy about that. Are you happy about that? Like, it's very rare, right? Yeah, you're clapping. Yes, we're very glad that when we've done something wrong, we're not struck dead, right? And so it's important that we understand this in the character of God because God's not in the business of striking people dead. You know, we we talk about the love of God, and and he is. And we also talk about God's long-suffering with us. So for whatever, reason, though we recon- for whatever reason, God, in his sovereignty in that moment, decided that, nope, this one, it can't continue. Now, it doesn't say he sent them to hell. It doesn't say he rejected them. It doesn't say anything about that. So we can trust, for me, I trust in the character of God that even though these two people that were believers in him chose to lie and they died in that moment, that their souls were saved. doesn't say that, but it also doesn't say that It didn't happen. So I look at the breadth of God's character, the breadth of Scripture and go, you know, in his goodness, and his grace, I trust those people will get to have a chance to chat to Ananias and Sapphira in heaven one day. You know, and God is incredibly long suffering with us. It's a word we see in Scripture where he's he's patient. He's kind. He's not looking to strike us down when we sin. He's actually looking to work with us in things. But he's also sovereign and so we we can't go well because God's long-suffering and kind he will always do XYZ and so there was this fear of God that came into the people in that moment which was good it was a good fear of recognizing how powerful God was they knew how loving he was they were responding they gave their life to Christ because of God's love and it tells us that the kindness of God the love of God is what leads us to repentance it's not the fear of God that leads us to repentance, but the fear of God sometimes keeps us in line. You know, it's the fear of God that reminds us of how powerful God is, but in a good way, right? I always like to use the example of electricity. It's a pretty incredible thing. We have lights on, we have a microphone, all this, a lot of stuff happening right now because of electricity for us right now. We can meet in this dark room with no windows because of electricity. There's something on the screen because of electricity. You can hear me because of electricity. All of you watching online, electricity is involved in everything. It's a pretty good thing. But you aren't going to go and hang off of one of those electrical power lines that's running through the city, you know, and, and climb up the pole and touch it. Because if you do that, you are going to die. Cause why? Because it's a very helpful thing. It's a good thing. It's a useful thing. But it's an incredibly powerful thing incredibly powerful thing and so in our wisdom i you know in my wisdom i'm pretty afraid enough of electricity that i'm not going to climb an electrical pole and i'm not going to choose to take a knife and shove it in an electrical socket or plug something in and get in the bath and then you know stick my plugged in item into the bath with me because i recognize that thing that's good and amazing and powerful and helpful it can hurt me too Misused, misused. I it, it can kill me. And so this this is an important aspect. It's actually not the focus of my preach today, but I just felt in this moment just to be to be on that. Because for us as a community, it's so important, right? We, we, we there's this there's this important thing of us understanding first and foremost that we have one instance. Of, uh, in Scripture in the New Testament of God striking somebody dead who is a follower of him we have another instance with with where you know the king gets struck down dead by God when he takes credit for something that God did so we have two you know in the entire Gospels with Jesus we have one instance of him getting angry when he goes into the temple courts and sees the what they've turned the temple into and you know, this place that's exploiting people and using people and drives out the money changers and the lenders that are there in the things one instance whereas the rest of it we see compassion and mercy and grace in what Jesus is doing so we can confidently say that god is good we can confidently say that he's wrong suffering. We constantly can confidently say he has our best interests at heart, and we can confidently say he loves us so much that if there's, you know, in the, like we see that in that early church, if there was something that was going to take us out, he eliminate was, was willing to eliminate that problem from the community to protect it. We have this. That doesn't, this, this, that doesn't stop the people from pressing into God. It actually encourages them more. They don't see the Ananas and Sapphira thing and go, oh my goodness, we can't have anything to do with Jesus. Actually, the church grows. The people are emboldened even more. They're out there and they're preaching. So we see once again, these same apostles that have been arrested. We look further into Acts 5 and 6 and 7. Now they, get, they go out and they're preaching again. And they get arrested again, and they get put in jail again, and they're in jail, and God literally removes them from the jail and sticks them back out with the people, and they start preaching again, you know? And then they're, there they are, and the people come back to the jail that had arrested them, the religious leaders, and they're there, and they look in the jail, they're not there, and then they go out and find them in the temple courts, like, what the, hell? what is going on? So then they bring them back they, uh, again, and bring them before their council, and they're like, what do we do? and and one of the leaders is like hey we better be really careful because you know if this is of god then then they're going to succeed if it's not of god then they won't succeed but so this time they don't just let them go this time they flog them who knows what flogging is you know if you know what flogging is you know you don't want to be flogged right it's not a pleasant experience not fun it says that after they're flogged they counted it you know they were thrilled that they were counted worthy (laughs) Of, of being like you know, being persecuted in that way for the name of Jesus. It's crazy, right? I mean, it, it, it sounds crazy to us. But it, it's that, it's wow. You know, they're like, hey, we were, they were proud that they had stood up for the name of Jesus. They hadn't given in, right? They hadn't given in and just gone, okay, I'm going to be quiet. I'm not going to preach about Jesus. I'm just going to grow up minding my own business because, you know, God wants me to live my best life and my best life isn't getting flogged. And then, after they're flogged, they go back to the people. Again, the people are like, okay, let, you know, let's be emboldened. And in the next chapter, we see, we, literally in the next chapter, we see where they appoint what they call deacons to, to minister to people. One of those deacons is named Stephen. He's out there preaching the gospel, and he becomes the first martyr. He becomes the first martyr, the first person killed. For preaching the gospel and and I share this story you know we this week's been an interesting week in the world we've seen what's gone on in Afghanistan and once again reminds us and how just broken our world system is that we can't trust in politics we can't trust in power we can't trust in military all these different things for so these people in Afghanistan and they just have gone through do you know that Afghanistan I didn't know this maybe most of you know it I had no idea that Afghanistan was like a progressive country it was a modern country with it was just like Canada up until the 1970s and then different invasions and all the kind of stuff brought it to the country that it is today the absolute mess that it is today and 20 years of people going in there trying to fix it has resulted in the chaos that we see today why because the, the answer to this world is not the government at the end of the day I'm not saying anti government I'm going we don't put our trust in the things of this world don't put your trust in your bank account don't because it could be gone tomorrow don't trust put your trust in your stocks that whole system could crash or your bitcoin or whatever those things don't put your trust in your employer that thing can crash There's really only thing we can trust in is is the name of Jesus And as I've watched, I've seen on social media, and seen in the media, and the thing, and you know, again, something I wasn't highly aware of. One of the biggest, fastest-growing underground churches in the world has been in Afghanistan. And what the the thing that's most likely to happen to these Christians is they will die. Under the new government, not guaranteed, and we don't want them. We pray against that, but if the the if the group, the Taliban, that's come in, rules the way they ruled before, they'll kill them. And, you know, I was pondering this week, like, man, I can't, I I just, I can't fathom that situation because it's so far from my reality. Maybe some of you can. Maybe you've come from countries where people are persecuted and killed for their faith. Maybe some of you watching can. For me, growing up in Canada, it's not something that I can get my head around. I can acknowledge it, but I, I can't relate to it in any way, shape, or form. And I was processing this. And my friend Steve Wilkins from Ottawa is in town this week. He's preaching at Red Hill Church this morning. And we were spending some time yesterday. And he brought up Afghanistan. And then he told me this story. And he's got a friend who leads a church in Chicago. And his parents are missionaries in Afghanistan. And he was talking to them on the phone. They're in Kabul. They, they, they're in. Did I say that right? Kabul? Kabul? The capital? and uh, they've been there for the last 15 years. They met there in the 1960s, and then they'd gone back to the UK and raised their family, and that was a family that, you know, their children are are either church leaders or in the mission fields. 20 years ago, their one son, who was a missionary in South Africa, was killed in a car accident there. And, you know, five years after that, they go back to Afghanistan, which would have been about five years after the Invasion, still all the wars going on, and have been some of the people responsible for people giving their life there. And this underground church that's being built, and that. And so their son, who leads churches in Chicago, was talking to them this week, and he's like, "Hey, mom and dad, you need to get on a plane." I'm like we can't do that, son. We're not getting on a plane. We're staying. And he's like, "But no, you know, just saying, please." get on a plane and they're, they're in their 70s and they're like we can get on a plane we can go back to America or go back to England and we can feed ducks in a pond you know and live out our life in peace or we can continue the work of God as long as we'll be able to here in the country and they just said you know to him he said God isn't concerned with the length of our life or the comfort of our life i may be misquoting that statement but it's not concerned about about our the length of our life he's concerned that the work of the kingdom that's been started here continues and then they said to their son we'll be waiting for you it's like, what do you mean? Oh. And they said, we're all going to die, son. We're all going to die someday. And uh, we expect we'll die here. We love you. Tell the grandchildren we love you. And we'll be waiting for you in heaven. <laughs> I don't know these people. The story makes me emotional. Because I question whether, man, I, I, the, the, what it takes to make a decision like that. You know, it's a scary decision. It's a scary decision. But it puts Christianity in perspective, doesn't it? You know, not that we should have a death wish or a thing, but it, it, the reality of what are we living for and most of the work of the church in the west is to try to combat this bat this idea that you're supposed to live a comfortable and pleasurable life and most of the persecution in the west is to get you to stop talking about jesus it's actually the same it's a scary thing is see our we're not here in the west worried about our life being taken from us in terms of we will be tortured i mean it's not just dying right i mean it's brutal the the way that these people are killed in some of these places. And it's not just us going, well, hey, I'm not going to be tortured and killed. It's that we don't want our comforts taken away. Say, well, in my workplace, I'm not allowed to tell people about Jesus. So if I have someone, you know, one of my colleagues, I can't talk to them about Jesus because I might lose my job. Or, you know, I don't want to talk to people about Jesus in the store because they might not like me. You know, I don't want to talk to my neighbors about Jesus because they might get offended. And in perspective, that sounds really bad. And I really, I share this message with us that we would, as a community, just pause right now And ask God for that same boldness the early church had. You know, they, when faced with persecution, we're like, hey, God, give us boldness to share the gospel. Now, I want to encourage you in something, right? This is not about, again, I'm not knocking this, but unfortunately in our society, we then think we've got to go and stand on a street corner and preach. Which is probably the most ineffective means and maybe god's called god's called some people to do that i'm not not getting into a whole debate on anything along those lines i'm not saying you have to go and become some do things in some strange or extreme way but the boldness that we would share that the gospel with everyone we have the opportunity to share it with doesn't mean you need to go to your workplace now and go to every colleague's desk and go do you know jesus But that when given the opportunity when someone comes to you with a problem you go well i have an answer and that answer is jesus you know that answer to your work problem is actually jesus this is how i deal with it i deal with it by faith i'm going to give a testimony to you about who jesus is i'm going to testify you about the goodness of god Right? That you would testify, that you'd be able to be, you know, just be. We'd be aware of God, aware of the opportunities to share the gospel when we have them. That we wouldn't be afraid, because look at the brokenness and messed up world we live in. The only answer that actually matters is Jesus. You know, the only answer is Him. And that our faith would become a little bit more radical. In our own lives where our pursuit would not be the things of this world the things of this world would simply be tools to advance the kingdom because none of that stuff is going with us and none of that stuff is going to change the world none of that stuff is going to matter for eternity right it's it's just often a lot of distraction when it becomes the focus Again, nothing wrong with having money. Nothing wrong with having a good career. Nothing wrong with us either. Christians should be in places of, you know, in places of influence and authority and things along those lines. It's not a poverty mentality. It's not saying you don't need money. You don't need different things. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, what are you using it for? If if what you're doing, if your if these things are more important, then in, in protecting and keeping those things are more important that's where the problem comes in that's where we've got to examine our hearts we've got to ask god to show us so that the church once again can arise in this country and that people can truly know him. these fast-growing churches in places like afghanistan in places other places iraq they aren't growing by the christians standing on the street corner preaching the gospel they can't they're not allowed to It's not, that's not the method. It's not offensive in your face. You're going to go to hell. You better repent. It's them bringing hope to their neighbors. It's bringing hope to their colleagues. It's bringing hope to the people around them and them sharing the hope they have. And those people going, I want that hope because I see that nothing else around me works. And that is something every single one of us can do. That is something every single one of us can do and be a part of. And it's something that every single one of us are called to. So let's pause. and I, I want you to pray on your own. Just take a moment, let God speak to you on this. And then I will close this out in prayer. pray this, but you pray in your own words. You lift your own voice to God. Lord, I want to repent for my lack of boldness, that I've allowed the fears of how I'll be perceived by others, my own self-centeredness. my own desire for comfort to get in the way of me sharing the gospel. Lord, we want to see things here on earth as they are in heaven. That we would see your name lifted high. We would see your kingdom restored. That we'd see people's lives saved. As they would put their trust in you and we talk about these things and then we rely on systems of the world to try to bring them about they're a failure may we do things your way not our way may we not trust in the things of the world but we would put our trust in you make us bold Lord that we would share the gospel that we would speak in your name regardless of what people would threaten us with. And that we would, Lord, that you would extend your hand. That you would extend your hand and perform signs, wonders, and miracles to back up the truth about who Jesus is. away the things in our lives, God, that keep us from having the courage to live real faith and to live for you. And Lord, I pray for that couple that I spoke of in Afghanistan and the thousands upon thousands of other Christians that are there that are fearing for their lives. I, I pray, Lord, for your protection of them. Lord, I pray that any that die, they don't die in vain. I pray that people would come to know Jesus as as they would by the testimony of who these people are. We pray for the Taliban, Lord, that they would be saved. They do not know what they do. Or anyone else, not just them, anyone that would persecute in the name of Jesus. All those that would want to kill off people that believe in Jesus, Lord, we pray for them that they would be saved. We pray for the, our governments that don't know you, that don't acknowledge you, that don't see any purpose in you, that have turned away from you. We pray that their hearts would be turned, that their hearts would be turned back to you. May we live our lives in a way, and as, as church, this church and as people, that would be a testimony to you that would speak of who you are and of your goodness and your glory. Watching online, thank you for being with us, and I pray know you're part of this, and that we all together are gonna bring and may we all live for Jesus in the most radical of ways. Love you all. A privilege to serve you all, and uh, have an amazing, amazing week. I think last week of summer holidays before the kids go back to school, and uh you know, it's a new season begins so enjoy time with one another connect with one another let god speak to you about this this week let's not move on from from what god's speaking to us as a community because it's so important the world needs the church to arise amen
1: but I I needed that word this morning. I think we all need to be reminded that, and I really look forward to next week as we don't just, we recognize we're not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of it. Imagine what what happens this week as we respond to the word, and we recognize that God is already moving. He's already at work in our families, in our workplaces, in, in every place that we go. He's at work already, and he's looking for a people that would believe him and that would partner with him in the work of his kingdom. As we respond to him, as we say yes to him, as we step out in boldness this week, we're going to have all kinds of testimonies next week of God showing up in his goodness and his faithfulness. We just bless you with boldness. We bless you to see God at work and to say yes to him in each and every area of your life, that we would be people who would live out of a full trust in him. Have an amazing week. God bless you all.